so we ask that you would um, draw near us. Holy Spirit, bring the benefits of Christ's suffering into the midst of us this evening. Lord, I ask for your power to be released inside our souls so that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Cause us to will and to do your good pleasure. And I bless your name tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles and go with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. As you're turning there, just as a real quick introduction, um, the title is actually Delivered from Darkness, but it's not so much a deliverance, how do you do deliverance, it's more of what we call an identity statement. And so over the last year specifically, I've been working on just trying to help different places I go understand who they are in Christ. Why is that so important? Well, God not only, most people believe, well, God saved me, and that's kind of how they see themselves, but they don't understand the privileges the benefits and the honor that God has given you and how he expects you to walk in that on this side of eternity. In fact, to just kind of give it to you, there are five different categories of identity that the scripture speaks to us about. Some of them are what we call relationship terms where God's saying you're uh, adopted by me, you're a son and daughter, you're born again, you're holy and blameless in my sight. Some of them are what we call transformation statements where God says I'm planning on transforming you and he gives us statements about that. Some of them are what we call callings. You've been called, not to ministry. A lot of people believe, well, I'm called to ministry or I'm not. No, it's how God calls you in his eyes. And so when I'm in Minnesota, just to give you an example of this, when I travel up there, I ask people, uh, how do you see yourself? And they say, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Theologically, that's correct. But after you become a sinner saved by grace, the, the Bible doesn't call you that anymore. The Bible calls you holy and blameless in his sight. And a lot of people spend a lot of time still talking with God about who they were instead of who they are. And so I've been on a quest, and and as I've been here with you periodically, I've walked with you through some of the quests I've been on, on really trying to say, how do I live in the world now based on what Christ has done for me? So what we're going to look at this evening is now going to be a statement of identity And it's going to talk about deliverance as the theme. So here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, let's go ahead and read it as a group together. You don't have to read it out. You can just follow along. Sorry. So it says this. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. So what's the identity here? You have been delivered from darkness. Actually, the dominion of darkness is the way the scripture puts it. Now, when it says that, the Bible is now trying to get across an idea that here's your identity. You were in the kingdom of darkness before you met the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you thought a certain way. Your emotions responded to things a certain way. Your motivations were a certain way. After Jesus delivered you out of darkness... A whole new reality has come into your life. That's why the Bible uses the idea that you're a new creation. You have a new way of thinking. You have a new motivation. You have a new way that the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with you. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus very specifically on these words that are given to us in this one scripture. Because it's very important to understand what it actually means to be delivered from darkness. When I talk to most Christians, I, I get the idea that they feel like, well, I'm just walking around the earth. And um, I'm always trying to get evil away from me. 
Well, I kind of understand that, but the Bible actually doesn't tempt you in that way. The Bible actually says, no, you've actually been delivered from darkness, and an overcomer is actually living inside of you, and so you're to actually go into his kingdom and destroy evil in people's lives. So it's not so much we're just trying to figure out how to maintain in an evil world. It's more like we're a conqueror through him who loves us, and our job is to actually go and destroy what the enemy is doing in people's minds, their emotions, and their physical body. We're not on the defensive side. We're on the advancing side. And most Christians don't see themselves that way. I, for years, I didn't see myself that way. I just thought, well, I'm going to try to ignore spiritual warfare. I'm going to try to ignore the enemy. And if I do it, maybe he'll ignore me, which that never works. <laughs> All right. And so let's look at the scripture again. Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the dominion. So let's take the word delivered here. This is not the Greek word that is used for when Jesus drove demons out of people. This is a different Greek word, and it actually means this, which when I looked at it, I thought that's really interesting. It means to draw out from something to a relationship with another person. So when it says he's delivered us from the dominion of darkness, it doesn't mean he just saved us. It means he saved us to relate to him. So we're not saved to just be a Christian. We're saved to be in relationship with an overcomer. Now, I can tell I'm probably going to start getting excited to think about that. You're connected with an overcomer, and so you have to start thinking about overcoming things, not being defeated by things constantly. There was a, an author in the early 1900s. His name was, um, I can't remember his first name, but it was Pike. And um, Bill Johnson actually made reference to him. A lot of people say, where did you get your theology on the throne and on all this stuff? And he said, well, I, wrote, I read this guy named Pike back in there. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he wrote this theology, if you can imagine, <laughs> called Thro Throne Room Theology. And the whole focus of throne room theology is seeing yourself seated with Christ and then thinking out of the idea that you're to rule and reign the rest of your life instead of just trying to maintain now, where do they get those concepts? It comes from this passage. When Jesus delivered you, he didn't deliver you from sin. He delivered you from the kingdom of darkness to relationship with him. So you've been delivered to a person, not from a thing. Well, that, that brings up all kinds of possibilities about what is it like to have Jesus actually in my life? What does that actually look like? So, and... Very importantly, the Bible is trying to make an identity statement that I really want to focus on. You have been delivered. And so if you've been delivered, your walk now is not trying to figure out how to get delivered. It's learning to take a different position and begin to stand against these things and say, it's just not part of who I am. I'm in a new kingdom, a new reality. This stuff is not a part of me. But how does that actually work in our everyday life? Let's keep moving on. It says he delivered us from the dominion. Now, by the way, the word dominion here is really interesting. Now, remember, delivered means to take from one person in relationship and pull it into another. The word dominion here actually means the right or the privilege of why someone had rulership over you. So Christ delivered you from darkness into the dominion. So the dominion of darkness actually means the legal right that the enemy had over you, Jesus took that away. So now all of us will say, well, what legal right did we, what legal right did he have over us? Well, when you go back to Genesis, you get the story of our ancestors turning over the dominion of the earth and the human race to Satan. 
Now what's happened is Jesus has come and he's broken the re, uh, legal right for that in your life. So that actually means, now yeah, I don't know if you guys work through this as you talk about it, but most Christians are thinking, well, the reason why darkness is still bothering me is because I'm full of sin. That's how they talk about it. And that's why it's so important to understand identity. If the Bible says, no, in God's sight, you're considered holy and blameless, that means that we spend a lot of time talking about sin and trying to manage sin, thinking, well, I'll get a breakthrough if I stop sinning. And that's right at one level. But the reality of it is, is the Bible says, no, the dominion of this has actually been broken over you. You need to let it come into your existence. One time I had this familiar sin. Do you guys have familiar sins that you don't tell anybody about? And we act like everything's okay when we go to church. Like, you know, don't tell me your familiar sin. I won't tell you mine. And so I had this one familiar sin I could not get victory over. Just could not get victory. And if you guys, after you've sinned in Christ a thousand times, you get kind of disgusted with yourself. Right? Right. Okay, thanks, Bob. Okay, so um, I got in the shower and sand and, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, when am I ever going to get over this thing? And, you know, we, we think we're praying. It's really more we're just having self-talk and we're disgusted about something. And I'm telling the Lord, I'm really kind of, you know, sick of this. And I've tried to white-knuckle it. I've tried to positive confess it. I've tried to have 20 people lay hands on me. And I'm not getting over this thing. <laughs> I, did, I really didn't think Lord was going to respond to me, but he actually came and had a conversation with me as soap was running in my eyes and staining it. And when he said it to me, it actually shocked me. I said, Lord, when am I ever going to overcome this sin? He said, you actually already have. You just won't accept it. He says, you believe that's over you. And as long as you believe that's over you, you'll never come into who you are. And so... All of a sudden, I, I, I went, wait a minute. You mean that that doesn't actually have control over me? And he says, no, you're actually choosing to sin because you think it has control over you. <laughs> Isn't it fun to say this kind of stuff? And so, guys, now I didn't get slain in my shower, but I, wa I got out of the shower and I actually thought about it for a minute and I thought, wait a minute. All the stuff that I keep saying, like, I don't think I've changed or nothing has changed in me. When that hit my soul, all of a sudden I realized everything I need to overcome, the Lord is producing that inside of me. I just need to rest and let it come. Now, how do you break free from stuff? Seriously, how do you break free? If Christ said he's delivered you from the dominion of something, it means that you have to go through a process of turning it towards him so that he can come and lift it. See, it's interesting. Repentance from scripture is beautiful. Uh, maybe one of these times I'll come and talk about repentance. Have any of you ever studied repentance? Everyone thinks it means confession. That's not what repentance is. Uh, there was a guy historically named Charles Finney. Have any of you ever heard of Charles Finney? He believed that repentance, if you read his biography, he believed that repentance, by the way, if you don't know who he is, I'm sorry. He was a minister in the 1800s uh, up in the New England area, and he would come into town, and the Holy Spirit would literally fall on the community, and people would just repent as he was going to his meetings. He, 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 when he got saved, the Holy Spirit 
uh, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit for four hours where he said he felt the love of God just pouring into his soul. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd like it for 10 minutes. He had it for four hours. So he said, most people, you, know, you actually can see this in the original language. There's two words for the word repentance in the Greek New Testament. One means to change your mind. Another one means to behold the light. Now you guys ready? Until I behold the light, I can't change my mind. Now, in Christianity in America, we say, just stop sinning. We say, change your mind, stop sinning. But the Bible actually says, you don't have the power to do it. You have to behold the light. So Charles Finney understood that. And he'd say, now, when he would do evangelistic crusades, he would have the front row, if you guys ever went to his meetings, he had the front row. It was called the row of repentance. So people would come up going, I want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, no, sit on the row of repentance until the Holy Spirit has done the work inside of you where you're actually going to be broken free from sin, and then you can come to Christ. Now, I'm amazed. I guess after you lead a couple thousand people, you can start seeing that. Most people are just like, I'm just happy someone's responding. So what, what was he recognizing the Holy Spirit can do? And this is important as we look at this passage. The first gift of repentance is seeing Jesus as the overcomer in any area defeated, give myself to him so he can break that thing in him, and what I see in him, he imparts to me, and I'm set free from it. Is that too complicated? So, like, if I want healing to function in my life, a lot of people think, well, you just pray for sick. No, you behold Jesus as a healer. He imparts it to you. You function it. I want to grow in the prophetic. I behold Jesus as a prophet. He imparts it to me. Then I can do it. All right? If I want to do evangelism, by the way, isn't that good for you guys to know? Oh, yeah. You don't have to produce this in you. He's in you. Behold him. Well, how do I behold him? Well, the Bible gives us some simple tools. Read the scripture, confession, turning our hearts to him, telling him we're weak. All those things are a, a step of beholding him. When I do that, the power... The dominion over me that keeps darkness entrenched in my life is broken. And see, the Bible already says you are this, but most of us would say, well, in my experience, I see that, but I don't believe it because here's what's really going on inside of me. But the Bible is giving an invitation in the scripture. You have been delivered from the dominion of darkness. Now, what that should do is cause you to go, I don't sense deliverance in this area of my life. And that's to make me turn to him so that he will engage me. See, isn't it good to know we're all in the same place? You know, I go to services like you guys do, and I watch the Spirit of the Lord show up through some people, and I think, I'll never be a Christian like them. But that's not what Jesus wanted us to get from any of this. We're all made out of the same material. We all do the same goofy, foolish things. I wish it'd be nice if we all just admit that to each other and say, it's Jesus that's helping us do all this. Jesus has delivered you from the right or the power of darkness. Let's, let's keep moving on into the scripture and look at it. Let's take the word darkness here. Uh, it, it do, this does not mean um, evil. I, I found that interesting when I was looking at the word. It doesn't mean evil. Delivered from dark, this word for darkness in the Greek New Testament does not mean evil. It means, you guys ready? Obscurity. So you've been delivered from the dominion of obscurity. Well, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to be delivered from obscurity? It, it means to be, pro this is amazing, to be 
in alignment and in agreement with God, I have the power of the kingdom working in my soul. When I'm not in that, I'm actually living what we call an obscure existence where now I have no power to live in relationship with God and I'm obscure. That's how the scripture would describe it. Not evil, twisted. And so now the Bible is saying, now look what Jesus has done for you. He's come and he's, bro he's, he's brought you to himself. He's broken the right of, of what we call obscurity in your life so that you're not defeated. He's done that for you. It's not something you have to do. It's something he's done for you to say, here's how much I love you. When we study identity, uh, sometimes we, as a minister or as someone that teaches, I get really into the passage and I'm looking at words, but there has to be an overarching concept that has to be communicated here. God is trying to, in a very tangible, qualitative way, explain his love for you. So when we say you have an identity in Christ, it isn't so much, well, yes, he's done this. He's trying to say, I'm trying to prove how powerful I love you by telling you this is who you are. By what I have done for you, this is a communication of my heart for you, and it's supposed to cause you to come into a place that the scripture is longing for you to come into. It's called rest of embrace. See, am I really defeated by uh, sin, darkness, and judgment? No, I'm not defeated by any of that. I've been set free from that completely, and now my life is to be defined by a restful sense of God's love resting on me. That's our identity in Christ. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Okay, and, let's, and, and, not, and so that'd be good enough, wouldn't it? But it actually even gets better. So look at the scripture again. It says, he's delivered us from the dominion of obscurity or darkness, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And I, I just found that fascinating. So the word transfer here doesn't mean just to move from one place to another. It means to release into whatever it has to happen the power of something to transport you into another place. So it means that when you came into Christ, you didn't just make a confession. Oh, I, I believe Jesus is Lord. That's what you did. But in God's kingdom and his economy and in the kingdom of darkness, a significant power was released to take you out of the clutches and the rights of the the devil and darkness, and he ripped you out of it so that would have no effect in you again and put you in his kingdom. So you literally live in his kingdom and you're drawing from the atmosphere of the kingdom constantly. That's your identity. And so when you walk in a world that's fallen, you're, you're unique. That's why when you're around people that are trying to figure out who Christ is in you, they can't figure out why you're, you're not caught in the same things they are, and they try to pull you into it so they think they can convince you that you're like, you're, this is just a game, you know you're full of this kind of stuff, and they don't recognize the dynamic that's been released in the heart. And so you get to live what we would call eternity now. The whole idea of the kingdom is called eternity now. And I, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm always studying church history trying to figure this out. But I'm trying to figure out when the church got to this place where they started talking about eternity and they just kind of got everyone to think, well, it's after you die. Hmm. It has nothing to do with what you're doing now, so just suffer. You know, <laughs> I've said this, a lot of you have heard me say this a thousand times. I love suffering just as much as every other believer. <laughs> but I don't like suffering in an area that Christ doesn't call me to suffer in. 
And so in this passage, the Bible is saying, look, you are not in that kingdom anymore. You have been delivered into a loving kingdom that you live out of. And so the Bible is saying, now live out of it. Just let it come and do the work it's supposed to do. Don't resist the spirit of the Lord as he's saying, you're free. In fact, let's finish the passage now, and then we'll, we'll apply it. Not only are we transferred, it says the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, again, the word beloved here is important. This isn't the same way it's describing Jesus as the beloved son. It's using a word beloved intentionally here to say, what is the kingdom of God? What's the distinguishing mark of the kingdom of God? Belovedness. So that means... <laughs> A tangible, consistent reality of the love of God encountering you. So if you experience the same love that the Father had for the Son, you're living in that atmosphere, and it's to make you just like him because of the love that God has for you. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. You've been delivered from death, destruction, wickedness, and you've been brought not just to salvation, but you've been brought to the belovedness that, that the Son experiences for you. <laughs> so now I have a stream of the love of God coursing into me. And the Bible saying, would you recognize this? Don't resist it. Um, my, I'm trying to change my, my vocabulary right now as a Christian because I always talk about encounters with God. Do you guys see that? Oh, I, the Holy Spirit met or I felt the anointing or peace came into me. But the, we use those terms to describe it. But the Bible says, yeah, that's what's going on. That's the effect of it. But what you're actually experiencing is the tangible love of God coming to you consistently. The tangible love of God. Now, see, a lot of people believe the tangible love of God is Jesus just dying on the cross. Well, Jesus did die on the cross, but that's not the only way he expressed his love. After you come into the kingdom, you have been brought into a community where his love that the Father has for him is coming towards you on a consistent basis. And the Bible wants you to not only understand it with your mind, but to receive it in your experience. So all the things that Jesus has done for you, why did he do that? Was he trying to prove something or was he trying to communicate something to you? I think it was both. He was trying to prove something on how powerful his kingdom was, but he was trying to prove something about how much he loved you. There's this really interesting passage in Ephesians when um, Paul is talking about your identity. It says you're seated with Christ, and for the rest of eternity, he's going to be showing his unfathomable love to you forever. Sometimes we miss that. So that means that, okay, how much love of God can I experience now on this side of eternity? I don't know, but it's inexhaustible. And then somehow when I step into this physical body dying off and I go on to my reward, I don't just, it doesn't just stop. I step into it and it just keeps going on forever. So that means that our life in the kingdom of God is a shower of God's love coming to us consistently. We call it financial breakthrough, healing, mm -hmm. deliverance, my mind getting transformed. Those are the terms, what the Bible calls it, the, the embrace of love. Okay, that's the scripture. So how do we recognize this? And we'll do this. We'll look at ourselves internally and externally to give some definition to it. So what have you actually been delivered from? Go with me to Galatians, please. And let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now, if you know Galatians 5, 
22, that's the fruit of the Spirit, so we're going to look at the opposite of this. So what have you been delivered from inside your own soul? I mean, what is it you should be expecting? Now, I'm going to talk about the work of what was going on in our soul, and then I'm going to talk about what the enemy is trying to do. It's because there was both of those dynamics before we were delivered out of it. So what is it we've been delivered from? Now, the deeds of the flesh are obvious. Now, at this passage, let me just stop right here and just kind of develop this. The Bible uses two terms. It uses the term flesh, and the word flesh means without lordship or the spirit. So when it uses that term, that means people just walking around without the spirit of the Lord, living in them. They're not a new creation. This is how they live. This is what motivates them. When it uses the term spiritual, it means that person has the Holy Spirit living in them. And so these are the dynamics going on. So a person who does not know Christ, this is a power or a right of something that's going on in their soul. So what does the scripture actually say? It says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, disputes, dissension, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like that. Well, that's pretty awful. Sounds pretty much like what we watch in the news every day of the week. <laughs> and I expect that because these are people that don't have the Spirit of the Lord, and so they're going to act this way. I don't expect them not to act that way. This is how the Scripture describes it. Now, this is important. You have been taken out of that. So when we look at these things and say, well, I actually still struggle with outbursts of anger, the Bible is saying, no, actually, you don't. You just think you do. You actually have an overcomer one inside of you that can break that. You just need to have an encounter with the love of God to break it. Um, I have a personal friend uh, that's a counselor. Uh, it's a woman. She counsels a lot of people. And when I was getting to know them, they're Anglican. Uh, her husband's the Anglican priest. And, and our connection was through um, Leanne Payne, if you know who Leanne Payne is. So one person does. So good. Um, we were talking about Leanne Payne and how that ministry works and all this fun stuff. And she said, well, as a, a girl, I was raped by a man, and, and I'm looking at her, and I'm waiting for her to be in pain. And she says, and, and you know, it's an awful experience, but she says, I believe Jesus. Um, she says, not only do I believe it, I know it, that Jesus can take away all pain from an evil experience. And I said, well, how do you know that? And she said, well, I was at a Leanne Payne conference one time, and Leanne Payne said, okay, uh, not to scare anyone. Uh, she used to do these conferences called pastoral ministry. Could you imagine? what I'm about to tell you. It's called pastoral ministry. She would tell her team, now go lock the door so no one can get out. And this is a, a woman that taught at um, Westminster, not Westminster, um, Wheaton College. Okay, so this isn't a hyper-charismatic, but she's telling everyone, lock the doors, I'm going to invite the Spirit of the Lord, and he's going to come, and he's going to start delivering us this stuff. And people usually get scared and scream at the top of their lungs and run for the door. Can you imagine? <laughs> I always wanted to go to that conference. And if you've ever gone, she's just so plain. She's a professor, just, okay, we're going to invite. Anyways, and this lady said she invited the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord just hit me, and I fell on the ground. She goes, that was the first time I ever understood the idea that the Spirit of the Lord can actually make you fall on the ground. She said, I used to watch Charismatics do it and think, why are they doing that? And then she said, and yet here's the Lord, has me on the ground. She says, I can't get up. And I have this experience 
where the Lord takes me back to the scene of that awful experience and in the middle of that scene takes all the pain out of my heart and actually gave me such a deep love that even though that person did this extremely wicked thing to me, I could actually love him where I hated him and wanted him to die. Now she described perfectly what happens. Anything that's tied to the power of the flesh, the spirit has the ability to break the power of that and set us free from it. I mean, isn't that good news? So God can set us free from the, the deeds of the flesh. They really don't have power over us, but the only place we give them power is we try to fight them instead of letting the Lord's love transform us. The next thing is this. Would you guys turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 10? And let's look at this scripture real quick. And it's a simple one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's a great study if you ever have a chance just to study these three words in the, the New Testament. They're really good words to study about what the enemy does. Now, most of us think, I don't like studying what the enemy does, but in this passage, it's really good. John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about him being a good shepherd. In fact, this is the passage in John chapter 10 where he says, my sheep hear my voice. And he says, and they won't you know, follow another person because they don't recognize his voice. And then it comes down to this, and it says, now, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I'm, I did this on Thursday night. So I asked everyone Thursday night, what do you guys think that means? Because we were talking about their destiny. And they thought, well, it means that the... He sends a burglar, uh, someone to steal their car or, or to destroy their house or set it on fire and to kill them. And the funny thing is, is if you look at the words in the original language, they have nothing to do with physical reality. They have to do with spiritual reality. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. And he contrasts it with this scripture. So you guys ready? What is abundant life? Now. Jesus has delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So what is abundant life? I, I love this. It, it follows the Greek, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word, shalom. Okay, what's shalom again? It doesn't mean, it means peace, but it takes time to get to peace. So here's what shalom means. Wholeness and prosperity in every area of your life that satisfies you so deeply, you have peace. What is abundant life? Wholeness and prosperity, wellness, in every area of life that satisfies you so deeply, you have peace. That's what Jesus has called us to. Now, what does the enemy come and do? He comes, and, he, and the word is actually a continual Greek tense. It means he steals a little of that abundant life. He kills a little bit of your hope. He destroys your faith. He's trying to take abundant life from you because he already knows you have it. And once you figure out you have it, he knows he has no authority over you. See, we keep trying to get into something that's already ours, and the enemy is trying to attack us, saying, yeah, God's not going to give it to you. And Jesus is trying to say, no, I've actually already given it to you. Stop listening to that and command that to just quit coming toward you. Okay, let's see if I can hit that another way. The Holy Spirit is intentionally bringing abundant life. So the Greek New Testament uses a specific word for life. It's zoe. Abundant. So now we're supposed to have an abundant zoe. Abundant zoe. So it's a type of life that's different than just breathing and, and existing in mortality. It means heaven's life experienced on earth. So you guys ready? 
here I am, getting older physically, but my soul and spirit are living what's going on in heaven right now as I'm on this earth. And so what God's desire for me in heaven, I'm supposed to let it come on earth. Thank you, Jenna. So, do you guys ever ask this question? If I was in heaven right now, in this situation I'm living in right now, how would heaven respond to that situation? If that's not going on, that's not the life that God has given me, so I need to recognize where it's coming from. It's not coming from the Lord. Aren't you guys happy to know that? Because I get tired of trying to fight 100 different battles that I'm not supposed to be in the middle of. So if I'm struggling financially... Is that what it's going to be like in eternity? No. Because the Bible's saying, well, your soul and your spirit are already experiencing eternity now, so if that's not what's going on up there, why are you accepting it down here? Well, because I don't know what to do with that. Well, that's a fair response. But to just say, God brought me to you, that is a, a, what we call an illegal statement of your identity. Because God did not bring that to you. Am I getting too intense for you guys? Yeah. I don't You're looking at me like... When a king is generous, why do we look down on ourselves? Well, I think it's the kingdom of darkness trying to tell you you're not something you are. Think about the warfare you're getting. It's a lie, and it's trying to come against your identity. That's where the lies come from. That's what they came to with Jesus. If you are, if you are, if you can, if you do, we already could. <laughs> well, that's fun. I'm sorry, I had to run around the room a couple times. So let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Let me finish the statement here. So. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your abundant life. And the Bible is saying, don't go there with them. Just recognize this is who you are. And now I'm going to finish it by saying this. If you've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son, this is the most powerful thing about identity that it just takes almost a lifetime to figure out. And then once we have it figured out, then we're done. It's, it's there. But the most powerful thing you can learn is you're not defeated and you have to change the way you look at things and say, what is Jesus' response to this? Because right. he, he's trying to help you overcome that. Now remember, when he walked around, he looked at situations and said, no, stop that, come out, get up. You guys get it? And I'm, oh, I wonder if Jesus wants to do this. Changed. So what's going on in heaven hasn't changed. In fact, they've intensified their activity because now you've got the whole entire Trinity praying for you, both in you and up there. They're praying for you to get into this mindset where you stop accepting that you're still in the system of the world. You've been broken free from it. So let's pray now. Guys, bow. Let's let the Lord just come and minister to us for a moment. So, Lord, I just first want to start by just acknowledging something about you. Thank you so much that you have done this for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've come and you truly have delivered each one of us from the authority and the dominion 
of darkness. And Lord, now personally, as we're looking at our lives and sometimes we just beat up on ourselves and judge ourselves, I ask that a wave of the Father's love would just come to us right now and that you would begin to break that sense of condemnation that's false, that always rests over us. I, I just break the power of that right now. And I ask that a washing of love would come over our emotions so that shame would be destroyed. Lift false, vain shame off of us right now. In the name of Jesus, and I ask that wholeness would come to our emotions and to our minds by the power of your spirit, Lord. Bring it. We ask for our inheritance. Bring prosperity to us. Release it now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Release it more. In fact, Lord, I just ask that a deposit would come among us this evening. Don't let us hear this and then just walk away and go back into defeat. I ask that a deposit of the strength, the mercy, and the hope of your presence would saturate us to bump us up to reality. And I thank you, Lord. Bless your name. You are an awesome, good God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, the Lord wants to come and do some things here, so let's see what's going on in his heart. Oh, okay, we'll start this. So the Lord was showing me that, um, I'm going to describe this. When the children of Israel were being delivered, so the wilderness wandering and all that, when the children of Israel were being delivered out of Egypt and brought into the promised land, God gave them a promise, and he said, I'm going to bring you into the land of milk and honey. Okay, it wasn't Disneyland. It was the idea of, I'm going to tangibly bless everything you put your hands to. That's the idea of God prospering them. Okay? Their struggle was, every time God said they were, he was going to prosper them, their response was, yeah, but I don't think you're going to be able to do it. It was called a poverty mentality. Or what the scripture would describe as a slave mentality. So how do slaves think? They don't believe they should get anything. And when, if you've ever gone to third world nations where poverty is an entrenched reality, that's why there's so much stealing and taking and doing manipulative, corrupt things because no one thinks there's enough to meet everybody's needs. That's a poverty mentality. So the, the Lord told me he actually wanted to come and break that this evening. So if you feel like you think that everyone else is being blessed and God has just kind of passed you over or there's not enough for you, that's called a poverty Mentality of the Lord likes to break in your life. So would you stand if you feel like you struggle with that? Poverty mentality. <laughs> would you mind just putting your hands out receive from the Lord? Holy Spirit, would you just bring your power now? Bring your power. So at two levels, Lord, I break the power of this communication that comes to them, this, this formation that's happened in their soul and the way they think about the world they live in. I break the power of poverty over them. I break the power of the curse of that also right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that the blessing of prospering would come to them. Whether this comes from their family or their current situation, 
I break the power of this, and I ask, Lord, that you would begin to prosper their soul and prosper their bodies. And I command the blessing of the Lord upon you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay. Um, is there a person here that was born on June 12th? Someone here born on June 12th or is related to someone born on June 12th? Who is that? Your sister. Okay. So the Lord. Oh, good. So the Lord showed to me it was a girl. Okay. So here's, here's what you're supposed to share with her. Um, God's going to actually bring favor specifically to her in relationships. There's been a season of struggle with that. The Lord's actually going to break the power of that and actually release favor in relationships. And then he said this is a calling that's actually resting on her life. Does this make sense to you? Um, yeah, it okay, so let's go ahead and pray for her. I love how God's trying to do this birthday stuff on me. So what's her name? Okay, so Lord, come to Michelle right now. Release your power and your presence over this relationship dynamic in her life. And we come together as your community, and we agree with what you want to do on earth. Break the power of difficulty in relationship. Release her in the ability to counsel and release the blessing of the Father in relationships. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. All right, uh, Kathy, is there a woman here named Kathy or someone's related? Are you Kathy? Oh, hey, Kathy. All right, well, stand up. Two Cathy's? All right, stand. I like two Cathy's. Let's stand. So uh, I'm going to have to try to figure this one out. Okay, so, um, oh, it actually is for both of you. So put your hands out. I was trying to figure out why it was such a general word. Like, could you get me a better word than that? And uh, For both of you. Um, both of you are going to have the Lord release his power and his presence over you in dreams. And so you're going to grow in dreams. You're going to actually feel an awakening happening when you lay down. But it's not just about having dreams. It's actually you living in the second dimension of dreams. Now, this is important. There are two words that are used for dreams in the Bible. One is about a sleep vision. The Lord's going to release that to you. The second word for dream is restored hope. And so those are the realities that the Lord's going to bring to both of you is restored hope and dreams. So let's pray for it, okay? Holy Spirit, release your power over both of these Cathy's right now. Awaken their inheritance in hearing from you while they sleep. Let them have powerful encounters at night to restore hope again. Restore their hope in the name of Jesus. I bless what you're doing, Lord. Oh, yeah, you can sit. But one other thing, and this has to do with also a healing uh anointing that's being released in your life. The Lord's calling you specifically in the arena of healing, and it has to do with restoring the soul also. And so part of this stuff is going to be for you. Part of it's going to be a journey of training you, and part of it's going to be that people are going to come to you, and you're going to find them just crying on you and saying things to you, and that's because of his presence drawing them to do that. And so can we just bless that? And so, Father, this healing realm that she's being introduced into in a greater measure, would you bless that right now? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, both of you, for letting me pray for you. Uh, is, who's dealing with insomnia here? Can't sleep. The Lord just said, okay, so the Lord said there's people dealing with insomnia, and it had something to do with their pituitary gland, and he wanted to heal them. So you might not know it's your pituitary gland, but if you have insomnia, stand up. 
Okay, so just kind of, here we go, put your hands out. It's like Christmas. It is like Christmas, so here we go. Holy Spirit, bring your healing power and presence over them. Now, Lord, it's so funny seeing this. I actually saw the, if you guys know where the pituitary gland is, I asked Holy Spirit you'd come over their pituitary gland right now, that you would restore it. Cause it to function properly so they can sleep. Bring rest back to them. And let wholeness come forth in this area of life. Now, some of you, I don't know if all of you are, but I can sense that some of you actually feel a heat coming into your body. That's just the Lord beginning to restore you. So, Lord, restore them. Bless your name. So good, Lord. So good. Finish your work, Lord. Complete it inside of them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, uh, Candace. Is there a woman here named Candace or someone related to someone named Candace? Isn't this fun to do this? <laughs> no Candace? Anyone related to a Candace? Okay. Uh, now, I'm going to share this with you. I've been doing this over the last year, and I'm going to go ahead and release the word because what I'm finding is if I release it, someone hears it on audio, and then they get ministered to. So for Candace, here's what I had. Uh, worried about financial stuff, the Lord wants to specifically speak to you and say that he is your provider, and as you hear this, he's going to break the yoke of that fear over finances. And so, Lord, let that come. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. All right, is there a Joyce here or someone related to Joyce? Joyce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no Joyce? Okay, well, this is great. I get to do both. Okay, so there was something about a physical healing the Lord wanted to bring to you. Lord, release that also. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. All right, I'm going to pray, pronounce a blessing. Do you want to come up and say something? All right, so receive the blessing of the Lord, and thank you for letting me be with you here tonight, guys.